This is Everyday Driver, where we know cars are expensive, but necessary, and have to do a world of things. But we also believe they should be fun. Whatever you need and can afford, we're here to help you find the right car. We're your car friends, your car therapist, and sometimes the bad influence you need. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is the Car Debate. Hi again, everybody. Happy Friday. We have car debates to do. We have test drive channel updates to do. We have a little bit of news from Volkswagen. We've got a good podcast. We're glad to have you with us. Let's start with the Volkswagen ID2 all concept. All why, why is all in the name? You know, I'm not sure. You I, said I read ID, all the press materials and I'm still not you sure. You said ID2 all and I read it too and I saw the title and then I saw the photos and the word all is on the back. Because it's all? It's for everyone? Because it's the <sighs> EV costing mm-hmm. less than 25,000 euro for 2025. Spacious as a golf, affordable as a polo. And you know what? It looks great. It's still concept stuff. It's still just press images and all that kind of thing. But I have to say, this looks like a yes, please. You think so? As as far as a car is concerned, yes. Because look what the cheap electric cars have been so far. The Bolt. Yeah. The BMW i3, which I kind of like. But the BMW i3. The e-Golf, which was obviously, let's shove electric into a chassis that already existed. Things like the Mini E, these kind of things. This is them doing the best of what Volkswagen should look like, a nice-looking Golf that's electric and inexpensive. And I say, yes, please. This is the thing on the electric market that hasn't existed, something that looks normal and is affordable and is electric. That hasn't existed anywhere. The Bolt doesn't look normal. The, e, the i3 doesn't look normal at all. <laughs> no, I mean, that's what, kind of why I like the Bolt, because it doesn't look normal. I know. But, and but, I like the i3 for that same reason. And I like, and that's the thing. I'm actually a person who I think the i3 <laughs> is normal, really cool. Not normal, this car's for you. But this is the thing that's been missing in the, in the lineup, and it's been missing in the market, and it's the thing that Tesla has been saying they're going to do forever and hasn't done. Nobody's been able to do affordable, normal-looking Everybody can buy this electric. It's just this has all on the back, which is stupid. Well, that's true. And this is a way for Volkswagen to kind of stick it to Tesla and get out front, except they said it's for 2025. That is a problem. My problem with the looks is that it looks like now. It actually looks like it could have been in dealerships last year. It looks like the Mark 7 Golf. <laughs> it does. <laughs> yeah, it does. I see that. And yeah. they're claiming this is a new Volkswagen design language. No, it's not. <laughs> it really, that, nope. that, I, that I can't back up. This nope. is, there's nothing new about this design language. <laughs> unless, unless you want to say that what we did with the Mark 8 was too far. We've gone back and this is our new look. I suppose... Design language to me means different proportions. The proportions mm-hmm. are the same. The lines, the way the signature lighting element is slightly different than anything else. Sure. And it's just iteration for the sake of iteration. It just mm-hmm. looks like one of all the sketches that they did. And like, we're not out of sketches yet. Let's pick that one. <laughs> <laughs> Extra sketches. <laughs> they do. There's, there's a jillion sketches that define and are distilled into the final design of a car. You are left with so many iterations, and that's really what designers are paid to do, is Mm -hmm. iterate to get to the best thing that meets the design brief. And Mm -hmm. here, it's a friendly face, which I agree with. But again, this isn't new. The proportions are new. They talk about the C-pillar being the same. That's their signature element. And all the proportions are the same that they've been (laughs) for at least a decade and a half. Yeah, I I have to say, I'm on two sides of this because on one level, I actually think it looks great and let's bring it and that's awesome, but I cannot back up anything that suggests this is an all new look for us because it's just not. (laughs) It's just not. But two years from now? This is is now. This Mm -hmm. is right now. Like, just... Just start selling them. Just start. <laughs> just turn on the factory 
<laughs> and why don't you just turn on the factory and start making them and selling them? Plug in the sausage machine. Let's get things going. I, you're yeah. good at sausage. Why aren't you good at this? Just, I don't get it. To take the point from an opinion article written on Autocar by James Atwood, he says, it looks like a Volkswagen. And for a Polo or a golf driver who loves their car but is considering a switch to an EV, sure, sure. it needs to look familiar. Agreed. And I do understand that. Mm-hmm. But I feel like Volkswagen's design language has been boring for a long time, a decade or more. Well, I think that... It the, hasn't looked interesting. The, this doesn't look like an EV. Fair. On one hand, that's good because, to James's point, it eases the transition. Mm-hmm. It feels like a car. Yeah, agreed. But then it doesn't feel like the future. It doesn't feel like 2025. Sure. It feels like sure. last year. Sure. I, I see that. I, I can Again, I, I'm on both sides of this because the ID4, actually the best thing about the ID4, and we put it with the Tesla Model Y and the Mustang Mach-E, the best thing about the ID4 is the way it looks. Yes. Which is different. However, I have also said, and you have as well, electric cars don't have to look different. And this doesn't. It just looks like... Hey, guess what? That's a Volkswagen electric, and you're gonna. Yeah. And when you see it in 2026, let's hope it actually does show up somewhere. People are gonna be like, "Oh yeah, of course it is." And for a bread and butter kind of model at this price point, it has to be familiar enough mm-hmm. for people to be able to buy it or want to buy it. Mm-hmm. And you're right; it's got to look friendly. It's got to be appealing yeah. and not too far out of the mainstream. It can't just be different for the sake of different BMW Beaver Teeth. Yeah, exactly. And controversial just to make something different. I'm all for different if it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. If it sets a new design language, if it sets a new precedent, you know, everybody can genuinely agree, you know what, that is beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yes, that, what a great new direction. This just looks the same. Now, I do like it. I, I'm waffling. I'm back <laughs> I and can forth. hear it. I, I like it, it because yeah. $25,000. Mm-hmm. Bring that. It has 223 horsepower. 226 PS, but a range of up to 450 kilometers, which is about 279, 280 miles. So let, let's. For 25 grand? Yes. Let's convert that because the reality is what we're talking about is we're talking about GTI levels of power, 220 okay. something Fair. horsepower. Yeah. GTI levels of power, and roughly what you'd get out of a tank of gas in your GTI. Probably a little bit less, but not by much. Yeah. This is a this is a viable swing, but we are, of course, talking about a concept that's supposed to come in two years. Let's see what the reality is. The car market moves so quickly, mm-hmm. and cars that were introduced and then a year later are finally available, those feel like old news. <laughs> this is something that looks the same for two years from now. You're right. Well, that that is the thing we keep laughing about on these press launches is that by the time the cars are actually available in dealers, we, the general audience, like, yeah, I've moved on. This will come out in 2025, but it won't be available till late 2025 or 2026 to mm-hmm. most people. And then, well, it just looks like <laughs> my same car. What? What changed? Nothing a, changed. A, this is a really interesting announcement, and clearly you and I, are, we keep I don't know what waffling back this. and forth about it, but it's intriguing. And, and I think <laughs> the, first, the first brand that can crack this, though, this is the holy grail of electric cars, the inexpensive, accessible, interesting electric car, the electric car that does the thing the Prius did when it came out. Remember the second gen Prius? The first gen Prius was like a, do we like this? And of course it was ugly. And no, we don't. <laughs> the answer but is no. The, but the second gen Prius was suddenly everywhere. And the, and the yeah. brand that cracks that first Prius idea, but in electric, is going to sell them faster than they can make them. And it's going to be ubiquitous. And it could be argued if you're in LA, that's the Model 3 or the Model Y. But if you're anywhere else in the country, those aren't really around that much. But I think that really inexpensive electric that everybody goes, I need one, and it does the Prius thing, that's going to be a score. Do you think all is forgiven if they crack this? For Volkswagen? You know what I mean. Diesel. 
Um, will all be hmm. forgiven? Will everything, will it all be forgiven? We have to do a video <laughs> with this car that says Volkswagen Electrogate. ID2 TDI. <laughs> right? Take off. We're going to take off the all badge. By the way, you heard it here first on this podcast. We're going to take off the all badge and put a TDI on it. It's going to say ID2 TDI. TDI. That was in podcast 784. You heard it here, <laughs> just like, so you what? know. Yeah, I, that is very funny. I kind of feel like if they do this, if they pull it off, they will stick it to Tesla. They will stick it to everyone else. We'll see. They will win <laughs> sorry my brain's still right? here it's gonna be it's gonna we're gonna take a tdi badge and we're gonna stick it <laughs> badly oh with like like bad chewing gum over the <laughs> all and so when you're looking at it with the nice sliding beauty shot of the back end the tdi badge then just peels off and it says all underneath that's the shot and I'm, I'm putting my stake in the ground now we're shooting that later Here we go all right so we're looking forward to driving it soon because you should just turn on the factory just you should yeah yes make mm-hmm. it now it mm-hmm. looks ready to go it's got Normal mirrors. It, it looks ready. There's, you're right. There's nothing in this. Just I can't believe we talked about this this it. long. There's nothing in Just this design that says we aren't here yet. Right. We've been here. 2025. Yeah. What are you guys waiting for? <laughs> Did somebody get lost? Did somebody asleep? Did the alarm not go off? Exactly. What happened? Finish building Jettas. Convert the factory over. Build new. You can build a new factory in the time it takes to shut the Jetta factory off. Stop making Jettas. They are still making Jettas. This. Well, you're I know. Right. They forgot. They, they don't. <laughs> They're still building Jettas somewhere. Like, Did we... I feel like the water's running. Somebody Is somebody walked running? out one day and forgot to turn the factory off. It was their only job. Jettas Still are just spitting like, out Jettas. <laughs> okay, moving on to the Test Drive channel. <laughs> you can't believe we spent that much time on I, this. I can't. I really can't. I can't anyway, yeah, all right. The Test Drive channel releases are being moved to Sunday afternoons. Mm-hmm. Our analytics tell us this. Yes, well, describe this move for th- there's, us. There's been multiple things going on, and one of them is the fact that we obviously have always claimed Thursdays. Our, our videos have come out on Thursdays for more than a decade, and that's the original channel. So when we started the Test Drive channel, we thought, well, Thursday's our day. And we've looked around and just gone, you know, based on what YouTube shows us about when people are watching our stuff the most, su- Sunday afternoon is actually a really good time for us, and it actually gives us, as you can imagine, because it's not the same day of the week, it gives us a little bit of a, a some flexibility in post. We're not trying to, to deliver two things on the same day mm-hmm. so we're leaving our original channel releases will be on thursdays theoretically at least two a month hopefully more than that throughout this entire calendar year but the test drives are weekly they will be sundays now and it won't be for every car but for any car that has a point of view review as well that will follow on the following wednesday so to give you a frame of reference we have a lexus piece coming out this sunday it does not have a pov but we've had other things with povs this past wednesday we released our honda Civic Type R POV, that was a Wednesday release. So Sundays for full test drives, Wednesdays for POV, Thursdays for original channel. And then next Sunday, the ID2 All review is coming. You know they've, it. They've started to build them already. TDI badge is going to fall they, right off the back. They look ready to go. Just build them. I'm having an experience as we get to the tail end of winter here that I haven't had before. Hmm. And that is, I, <laughs> you're, you're going to laugh at me. I know you are. I, I have a, a foaming sprayer now from Griot's. Yeah. I'm feeling the urge to wash a car. Are you really? I am. I'm like, I'm just like, I want to get that thing. Are you serious? I want to put the snowblower away because I have like, I've had like five foot high tunnel walls on the sides of my, of my driveway. It's been insane. You got a lot over there. Yeah. It's ridiculous. I, you know what? I want to put the snowblower away. I want to get out the foaming sprayer and I want to clean a car. Well, it's the middle of the winter. It is huge. It is huge news. I mean, coming from you is, I know this is, 
I'm glad I'm sitting down. Speaking of news, actually, for Griot's products, we have a thing. What is it, the 23rd through 28th? That's right. The dates of March 23 to March 28, 2023, Griot's is offering 20% off all of their liquid car care. Use the same code that you it's already used from our us. Code. They're just giving an extra discount for that yeah. week. Yeah. Because spring is coming. March and spring, you spring cleaning. You yes. car out and clean your car. I do. I feel the need, too. I mean, I, it's been so much snow. You mm-hmm. can't. I don't go through the scratchy tunnel wash ever. <laughs> I know you don't. <laughs> My <laughs> wife does, and she keeps looking at me like, you really ought to. Like, I'm not going to, but she just does. The kind of goes through. Yeah. All right. Well, moving on to our first car debate. Sean R. in Las Vegas is going through a bit of a midlife crisis, but mm-hmm. not the red convertible. I need a red convertible kind of midlife crisis. <laughs> he clarified right away. He's like, midlife crisis, but not what you think. Is there like a food pyramid of midlife crises? Well, and but typically they at end. the very tippy top is the red convertible. They end with a red convertible. Right. right. And that's the thing that all of your, your buddies make fun of you for. If you are a person that reaches anything that can be, and it's a big swath, the swath is growing, what, what qualifies as midlife, and you buy your first fun car. Mm-hmm you are going to get ribbed for it. People are going to think it's a midlife crisis car. And I'm going to say this again. It only is if you promptly get rid of it and never buy another sports car. You might have just reached a place in your life where, you know, kids and family and life and responsibility and budget, you can now get a fun car. It's not a midlife crisis. Oh, he's going through something unless you just have it for six months and get rid of it and buy another whatever you've always had. If you keep, if it's the first of a litany of fun cars, you're just a car person that's been like in your cocoon and now you've you've sprung out. I'm, I'm using metaphors badly. You're now. <laughs> we're talking about movies, or <laughs> what are we talking about? Here? You are a butterfly behind the wheel of your red convertible, I and it's the first of many. I'm confused. Well, Sean has had lots of vehicles. Some may say that he's got car ADD. He does. When you hear the rest of this story, yeah. Last time he sat down and tried to list all the cars he owned, it was somewhere in the 50s. Not the 1950s. That's number of cars. Five zero. Yes. He's driven a wide array of vehicles from a 64 Volkswagen Beetle to a Z3M Coupe, supercharged and track-prepped BMWs, Grandpa Editions, Mercedes E320s. Does that sell, the Grandpa Edition? I guess so, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Those are called Oldsmobiles. <laughs> <laughs> that was the American version. You're right, yes. Like, why would I buy that? I, mm-hmm. I want something. I want the new fresh mobile. Like, wait, get it. <laughs> they're gonna they're gonna bring that brand back as the young mobile. I guess so. And it will sell like crazy in China. Yes, <laughs> right. Well, he's owned one or more vehicles from all of the brands, including BMW, Chevy, Dodge, Ford. International Harvester. So you had a Scout. Got you had it. a Scout. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jaguar, Jeep, Land Rover, Lexus, Mazda, Mercedes, Mini, Nissan, Datsun, Pontiac, Suzuki, Toyota, and Volkswagen. If I read that any faster, you would think it's a pharmaceutical commercial. Yes, you would think so. And I'm sure that something is going to happen to restrict your other drugs because you've had that many cars. But the point is you've driven just about everything. And here's what's interesting. He's only 40. Turning 40 this year has two kids in car seats, ages three and six, and he needs another car that he can get excited about, but he has to think about little ones at the same time. His current daily is a lifted and modified GX470 Lexus. Okay. His MOF is driving a Mercedes E350, probably not the Grandpa Edition. Probably not. Both are fantastic vehicles, but neither brings him a sense of driving excitement, although he does admit in parentheses the GX is super fun in the dirt. Which is also a way of him saying it's not really fun anywhere else. <laughs> right. <laughs> Lifted and modified, which means, of course, it's crazy fun in the dirt. He's been consuming all of our test drive videos and content. He just doesn't see anything there he thinks he would enjoy. He's been reading reviews. He, I just, I get the mental picture. Yeah, You're exhausted. Sure. You're sure. laying yeah. on the living room floor, just exhausted, <laughs> covered in car magazines. Yes. 
nothing will solve your problem. Well, he's, his problem is compounded by the fact that he's an automotive cheapskate. Mm. He loves the hunt for a good deal and has had some of his most enjoyable driving in a super cheap Mini Cooper S. They paid under 5K. That's awesome. Well, but, but you know, you and I have had this fun because we had our, yeah. our cheap, I mean, cheap when we bought them, sedans. <laughs> well. And then we had our cheap sports cars. And there is a real freedom in you, when you bought something cheap. Now, you and I also bought them to have adventures in them. But there is something really freeing in just, eh, you know what? It cost five or six or ten grand. What right. do I care? You know? Right. We want fun to drive. Something that seats four. Like two forward-facing car seats. So we're not be- dealing with the big monster two rear-facing trash cans. I mean, that's helpful. So at least we're front-facing, but it does need to seat four. He said manual transmission would be preferred, but it's not out if it doesn't come in manual. The trick here is $15,000. No SUVs, no CUVs, and the more unique, the better. The fifteen k budget is the place where this takes a record scratch because I was thinking lots of things, and I went, fifteen k. Ooh, that got hard. Yeah. We can do this, Sean. We can, we can do yes. this. Mm-hmm. I started with the GT86. Not the GR86. Sure, first gen. Mm-hmm. First gen. Yeah. Then my thoughts moved to the Corolla XSE hatch. Decent, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mustang was on my list, but there's a strike through on the Mustangs right here because convertible and red, so the strike through. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. <laughs> Moving yep. on to mm-hmm. Ford Fiesta STs. Mm-hmm. Subaru WRXs are making a comeback for this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> the entire like first six podcasts were just about the WRX, and I think we may have overcorrected. But yes, I understand. <laughs> like, pull up. But I'm going straight for my super unique wild cards. Okay. Whenever I'm in the same place as you are, Sean, I go to Soto Moto for inspiration. Oh, that's good. Our friend Adam in Seattle mm-hmm. imports cars from Canada. He brings them over from Japan. He's actually gotten into a lot of bikes lately. Yeah. But yeah. he still has very interesting things that make you go, hmm. Yeah, I agree. And right now, he's got a 1995 Volvo 850 T5 wagon, manual transmission with 44,000 miles for $12,500. Is that left-hand drive, too? It's left-hand drive, imported from Japan. That is a find. But it has rear backward-facing seats in the third row. Of course it does. That generation, that is brilliant. I, I really like that. That would be great fun. And your kids would grow up with a station wagon with backwards facing seats uh-huh they're waving at all the drivers behind you by the way nothing freaks out a modern driver more than someone facing them and waving nothing does i mean the seats are a little bit needing some love but on the other hand it's 12.5 only forty-four thousand miles on mm. it. it's top shape volvo 850 turbo wagon buddy i think you have nailed that <laughs> unique yeah. yeah but if that still isn't your jam okay you might start off by watching a lot of French cinema. Sure. What are we prepping for here? We're prepping for a 1959 Citroën du Cheveux. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. For 18.5, mm-hmm. he's got a, a Citroën on consignment sitting there. there. There's no safety systems. No. Anywhere. Mm-hmm. The safety system is you. Mm-hmm. You are the, uh, as you put it uh, so succinctly way back in our smart review, the pink thing in the middle. Yes. <laughs> It's true. It's not. It's not. Yeah, it's very true. So on the other hand, you can put your kids in this squeaky little French thing. (laughs) You will have fun. (laughs) Flap the windows open. Yeah. And go get ice cream. Yeah. 
Okay. It's not a car designed for long distance. You've got the Mercedes and the Lexus for all yeah, that. Yeah, that's fair. All right. You just bounce around the neighborhood in this thing. You pick kids up. You see how many kids you can stuff into it. <laughs> you make it a clown car. You kind of do. Yeah, that's funny. It kind of already looks like a clown car. Yeah, it's true. But it's just a taste. Okay. It's not designed for okay. driving hard on a track or taking on a road trip or doing any of the things we all associate with driving. But I want it to bring driving excitement back. Just the mm. fact that... I have that thing. I steer it. Uh-huh. Everybody waves. You'll make friends with everybody. Hmm. There isn't a chance anybody won't talk your ear off about it. And your kids get to have their picture with it and drive and ride and grow up with a Citroën de cheveux. <laughs> I did not expect that. I, it's I, unique. That is, Sean, that is a unique swing that Paul's right. That is kind of in a class by itself. Both of yours are excellent, by the way. Thanks to Sotomoto. He's got That's both really of them good. on there. And I went, oh, these are so different. They're cheap. I mean, mm-hmm. 18.5 is not cheap, but still. Yeah, I hear you. It's within your budget. And, and again, they hold their value, right? I mean, have it for a year, six months. Yeah. Have it for the driving season. Have it for ice cream season. You're, you're, there we well, go. And the thing is, the, those two CVs, you're going to sell them for the same the amount as you bought them for. They're just they're hanging on to value, which is interesting. I have three for you, Sean. Paul already mentioned one of them. I'll get there in a second. But one of them is the Fiat 500 of BART. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you haven't had a Fiat you haven't. You're this right. This has great personality. I mean, I described it as like owning a small dragon, both good and bad. Yes. It's got a fantastic, fantastic engine note. You never think when, until that comes around, like echoing through, through the city, you never think, oh, it's a Fiat 500. You never think that before it shows up. Great, great engine note. Genuinely fun to drive. Decent sized back seats. But if we're going to be in that world, you know, you have to consider, and Paul did mention it, the Ford Fiesta ST. Get it in a they're, they're super bright green or super bright orange. Only one of those two colors. That's true. Maybe the bright blue, but probably the green or the orange. Our friend Shane, friend of the show, he had three child seats front facing in the back of his Fiesta ST. So it can be done with three kids. Now, this is here's why I think this is perfect for you, Sean. You get in a Fiesta ST, and the first thing that's going to strike you is this was not an expensive car. <laughs> the interior is just, it, it seems like Ford's cheapest car <laughs> time because it was. Expensive. However, every time we've driven one, they are crazy fun to drive. So you have the buy it cheap, not worry about it, fits the kids, crazy color. I think Fiesta ST is way up there, but I have one more for you, Sean, and I was thrilled to see that these are actually in your price range. Go back to the early 2000s BMW catalog. This is the E46 era, which is the beloved era mm. Of the M3. It is like hmm. definitive M3 in most people's minds. They didn't make a four-door, but they almost did. The E46 3 Series ZHP. Get oh, one yeah. of those manual transmission four-door because that is, in many ways, BMW doing what BMW does best, almost M3 without the M3 markup, manual transmission, four-door, done. As we've been talking, Sean, I had this extra idea Good to give you guys a project for your family, and that has to do with BMW art cars. Mm. What if you got that ZHP, and you had it wrapped in white? Oh, I see where you're going. And you and your kids turned it into your own BMW art car, and you spent <laughs> weekends, you spent time on the front fender. 
and what are what are the designs? What are you doing mm. with sharpies mm-hmm. and different colors? What's the theme? The overall theme of the car? You're doing your own BMW art car, and the reason, of course, you have it wrapped first is to protect the paint, and then you can just peel you it all off. When you're done. Peel it yeah. off when you're yeah, ready yeah. to sell the car. But that's your special project. You could have it on for six months or a year, and mm-hmm. then when the kids think ah, I'm embarrassed to be seen in it, or sure, whatever, yeah, yeah. or maybe they're proud to be seen mm-hmm. in yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. This is my my dad drives this rolling art that I did, and mm-hmm. you can show them the lineage, not just Jeff Koons, but Andy Warhol's line of art cars. You can learn about the history of BMW art cars. Mm, they are in museums. They're in the BMW Museum All in right. Munich. All right. Create your own art car with your kids. I like this. Come up with a design. Mm-hmm. First, sketch it out. Maybe take a photo of it first and turn it white in Photoshop. And then you start drawing on what, what could we do? What's our mm-hmm. thing? You know, you get that half of the car and you get that half. I get the roof. <laughs> and you spend time on it. And then you know what? Put your pens down, everybody. Let's go get ice cream. Or I keep coming back to ice cream. I've seen Whatever. Sean's Minister of Finance where they're done going, no. <laughs> but then you can just tear, <laughs> but very all, fun. Tear very, this, very fun. Very, very fun. Yeah, I get and, it. I totally know, get it. had an experience. It's a new year, and we want to talk to you guys about a lot of new products from our friends at Griot's Garage. I'm going to start with the 3-in-1 Wheel, Tire, and Mat Cleaner. Did you hear it? It cleans wheels, tires, and mats with one thing. It's a non-acidic formula that cuts brake dust, road grime on wheels, tires, and rubber formats. They have a cool picture of you using a brush to clean all of the above. That is awesome. Water Spot Remover. Guess what that does? That removes water spots on all exterior surfaces. Don't forget ceramic metal polish, which restores and brightens and protects common metal surfaces and leaves a finish like you've never seen before. And then there's the Citrus All-Purpose Cleaner, a concentrated, powerful, non-foaming cleaner for both exteriors and interiors. Griot's Garage products are 100% guaranteed and all liquid products are made in the USA. When you're ordering at griotsgarage.com, use the code EDRIVER for 15% off liquids and 10% off everything else on your order. That's Griot's, G-R-I-O-T-S. Enjoy the finest quality car care products you can buy at griotsgarage.com. Simon B. is in California. He wants us to bring the noise back. Hmm, okay. Simon has owned a Cayman, which he bought and loved and... Since he's had this Cayman, he's had a child. He has owned now a Tesla Model 3 Performance for a few years to carry her, but his child is now in a booster seat, and the cars available to him have opened up exponentially. So so hang on. So he had a Cayman that he loved, mm-hmm. that he sold because he was a dad. He thought, I should be responsible. I should be a responsible adult, <laughs> which doesn't happen here very much. But anyway, he so he got a Tesla Model 3 Performance thinking, I'll have a performance car, but I'll have a very safe car. She'll be safe. She's in the rear-facing child seat. Now she's in the booster, so she's front-facing, and he realizes that the Tesla Model 3 isn't interesting enough. In fact, he says one of the problems is that he misses hearing an engine note when he drives. Hmm. So so now that she's in front-facing, oh, the cars he could make decisions about. Well, here he goes. He was going to replace the Cayman with a BMW M2, but his MOF vetoed it, probably correctly, because a rear-facing trash can would have been a bit silly. So now he can get an M2. Yeah, he he couldn't get one then, but now he could. And then he goes and rents one on Turo to be double sure, and he didn't love it. Hmm. Obviously, it was slower than the Tesla, and he accepts that anything he buys will be slower. That is the right headspace, man. That is absolutely true. But he didn't love the driving position, and you sat a bit too high. Hmm. So his question is, given $50,000 firm, what should he consider? Two doors is fine. Manual is preferred. Not a deal breaker. His thoughts revolved around a Golf R or a mini JCW. Both of which would be fun and would hit all those boxes. I love it. And he's driven both, he writes. Mm -hmm. He prefers how he fits him. 
In them, his wife will never drive this car, so it only needs to make Simon happy. Like it. He doesn't commute, but he's up in the Malibu canyons of Los Angeles. He knows them all very well from driving there and cycling, and he's looking to ditch the Tesla in three to four months and then promptly tells us to do our worst. But here's the key thing, Simon, is you said you're 10 minutes from Decker Canyon. Now, Decker Canyon is a favorite road of ours yeah. in the Malibu area, but it is also, I think, I could be wrong, I think it is the tightest road in Southern California. If you're going yeah. down, here's the thing, if you're going down Decker, yeah. please hear me, at 30, you may as well be supersonic. Yeah. Okay. 30 miles an hour on Decker Canyon Road, you are sawing at the wheel like you have a problem. True. I don't care what you're driving. You're freaked out of Minivan, control. Minivan, sports yeah. car, 30 on that road is like, we are doing something. So I love <laughs> that that's a road that is on your on your radar. That's great. The postscript includes a note about no 911s. He says it's a long, <laughs> expensive story. Okay. We'll avoid that. Like it. Well, I started out with my thoughts. Sweet. Let's get you in a GR Supra or a Nissan Z. We're talking 50 grand. Mm-hmm. I wanted you to be in a GR Corolla or a Civic Type R. We actually just recently drove those hot hatches out in that area. Mm-hmm. But the problem is the markup will take you above 50 grand for both of those That's cars. That's horrifying to think about, isn't it? Yeah. So I'm throwing those out and then I backed it off to a Civic SI and then I thought about Corvettes and then I came to it. Okay. And I apologize for sounding like a broken record, but the Toyota GR86 is your car, Simon. Mm, mm. Hands down, there is no question. You don't have to spend 50 grand, although they're still a bit marked up, which is a problem. I found a 2022 premium with 9,000 miles for 34.5. That's just about above what you and I paid new Yeah, true. for the, the show car that yeah, we recently the MSRP had. One, yeah. mm-hmm. But I found Peterson Toyota selling a premium with 5,000 miles for 33. So mm. we're not too marked up. Yeah, yeah. And not all of these are dealers. Some of them are privately owned. Sure. And I feel like you can get them between 32 and 34, which is the sweet spot. That's where I want yeah, you to be. If yeah, you're going to yeah, buy one of these, sure. I don't don't want you to be above 34,000. Yeah, I hear that. That's still up there, but still. And mm-hmm. that's for a premium version. Yeah, it's for the upper level. Yeah, But that's the car, especially for the area you live in. Mm-hmm. And I realized after all the videos you and I shot over the course of a year, we've driven the $50,000 cars against the GR86 <laughs> and still preferred the GR86. That's true. I mean, the Z car is a great example. We were like, yep, let's walk over here to the 86. You're right. That's a very good point. We, we did the, the $34,000 Cayman yeah. versus the 86 and watch that piece on our original channel. This was a tough decision. I mean, this was not easy. Yes. So that, that, that's a great point. I like it. So don't spend your 50 grand. Chase a GR86. Hmm. Tell me I'm wrong. I can't tell you wrong because it's on my list. Simon, I am going to run through some of the other options, though I can't I can't deny Paul's GR86 uh, thinking there because I think it is absolutely right. Of course, you could get a Supra. Mm-hmm. You could get a Cayman. You could get a, a couple-year-old Supra and be under your budget. You can get a Cayman under your budget. Watch our $34,000 GR86 versus <laughs> Cayman piece. Why? Yeah. I feel like it's exactly for you, Simon. That is worthwhile. Both of those are viable. I want to speak to some of the ones you've already thought about. The Golf R is good, but... You're looking for a fun car, mm-hmm. and yeah. the Golf R is maybe one of the very best do-it-alls, but I want to lean you more towards something that its purpose is fun. Right. Okay? Right. So I don't know that the Golf R is crazy enough for what you need, which made me think GR Corolla, not the Type R, because I do believe that the Type R is going to be completely out of your budget. I do think it's possible <sighs> yeah. you might be able to find a GR Corolla somewhere, maybe, mm-hmm. for under your budget of fifty grand. Now, frankly... 
none of these should be 50 grand. They just shouldn't be, okay? <laughs> no is <laughs> the answer. just roll our eyes. There, no is oh the answer. Gosh. But if you could get a GR Corolla, just get the, the core one, get the base one, which is supposed to be 36, 38 grand somewhere in there, depending yeah. upon how you spec it, which means it would probably be upper 40 with uh, over 40 with markup, which is insane. $40,000 Corolla. <sighs> what? Anyway, yeah. So don't try not to pay markup. The Mini is excellent. It obviously competes in this area for sure. But you know the other one that's, that's hovering out here? Fun dad car, hmm. Elantra N. Oh. Now, I'm yeah. not in love with the styling. Watch our Elantra N versus Civic Type R piece. Yeah. But the Elantra can be found. It can be had for close to MSRP. It is cheaper than the Civic, even without markup. It's cheaper than the Civic. That's true. That's good. They are out there. You can get them in that crazy blue or black, and, and I actually think the black helps the styling quite a bit. But there is that crazy notice me blue. Elantra N should be considered... Though I have to say, Paul, for if somebody said to me, Decker Canyon, pick your car, 86. GR86. Yeah. Although, could a, um, a Veloster N fit in here too? You know, slightly used? Yes, it could. Absolutely. 25, 30 grand? No, I mean, that's, the, that, that's absolutely an alt to the Elantra N. It's, it's the same running gear. There's nothing wrong with the Veloster. It's a little, I think it's a little more interesting, a little more unique yeah. for sure. Now, you're dealing with two, well, sorry. <clears throat> three doors at that point, yeah. but you do have the, the front-facing kid seat now that does work. So yes, the Veloster is a really viable option. I personally would take Veloster over Elantra because I prefer the, the Veloster's looks, mm-hmm. but still, Decker Canyon, Jeez. it would be the 86. I want to spend that 50 grand. I want to spend all of it. <laughs> of course you do, because it's you. But I realized, based on where you live and what you need, we don't have to spend that much. True, true. To Seriously, you're going to cackle when you finally drive one of these cars. You're just going to be like, oh my gosh. This drives far better than some car, cars costing twice, six yeah, to $80,000 cars. It does, for just sure. just depends. I'm not saying the price is always equal to the, you know, sometimes you do but get something. When we're talking Caymans, I do justify that, but still. But we have this conversation a lot. The impression, and, and I'm saying all of us listening are this way as well. We all would like to think, if I paid twice as much for that car, it must be twice as fun. Yes. That is rarely the case. It can be. Agreed. But it is rarely the case. Some great audience questions. Thank you, guys, as always. I'm going to start here on Facebook with a, a kind of a head-scratcher, but I like it. McCundin on Facebook said, Why does the stiff suspension mode exist in vehicles with an adjustable suspension? He says he feels like in every single review, when there's a stiff suspension setting, the person driving has the powertrain and the steering in the sportiest, most aggressive mode, and then they dial back the suspension. I think what's happened, McCundin, is I think you've watched a lot of Civic Type R reviews. That's what I think has happened. Because the Civic <laughs> right. Type R, its, its comfort mode is many cars' stiff mode. It's, it's like R race mode. I'm not sure where that was built for. I don't know. Maybe, maybe like Suzuka Circuit in Japan is glass. Maybe. Yeah. Okay. But... You would, you would hurt yourself on a place like the Ring or any canyon road of your choice. What this is actually designed for, McCundin, is it gives the engineers and, and the guys setting up the chassis a situation where they can kind of make the car as if it were a race car. How would this be if it was like mm-hmm. a purpose-built, stiff-bushing race car? Let's get, we can do that because of the adjustable suspension. And then they test it on some perfect glassy surface and it stays flat and the grip's amazing yeah. and we love this and they put it out to the public and most racetracks aren't glassy that's the thing you don't know that's I mean, true. f1 tracks yes but like your local track 
not very glassy. And so those of us that end up reviewing these cars get a lot of racetrack, and we go, no, 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 no. <laughs> exactly. But it was designed for somewhere that had glass, and they were like, race car suspension. And then the rest of us go, yeah, we're, that's not reality. Driving that Civic Type R most recently, I eyeballed that button, and I thought, you know what? That R stands for regret, because if I push that button, I will be hating myself. That's good. I do it's like that. only good for racetracks. Question from Luke Summers, 14, who asks us to settle a disagreement. Okay. Does the MP412C pay tribute and use styling from the F1 McLaren? Mm, This is a good one for you. I think the answer is no. Oh. I think no. Okay. Solely based on, not the seating position, but the headspace to which both cars were approached. Mm -hmm. Gordon Murray drove all the supercars that were available at the time and then went and built the F1 to be the ultimate supercar. Mm -hmm. That's not the headspace that the MP412C was designed and built and created. It was Mm -hmm. a longer production run or they they certainly made more of them. Mm -hmm. So it's more of a volume vehicle. They were designed by two different individuals. Frank Stevenson did the MP4, mm-hmm. whereas Gordon Murray did the F1. Well, he like, worked al- with a designer. Almost 20 years later, too, right? Uh, not quite. Yeah, 2012 was when that MP4 mm-hmm. came out. Uh, but they were two different headspaces, and that was manifested. Mm-hmm. You see it in engine, seating position, the way the doors mm-hmm. open. And even though it's a mid-engine car, they're both very different as far as what the initial approach and what they're designed to do. They went Lamar racing with the F1. They did the mm-hmm. long tail. Yeah, it was yeah, yeah. designed really to be a, a race car that, by the way, we homologated a little bit. Whereas the MP4 headspace, I believe, was more towards volume. We want a great sports car. But McLaren bought a Ferrari 360 Modena secretly and used that as the test vehicle mm-hmm. for their MP4. You wouldn't buy a 360 and use that as the foundation or test vehicle for the ultimate supercar. You'd buy something else at the time, and that would be, I guess, an Enzo, 03 to 05, somewhere sure. there. Yeah, yeah. That's not what McLaren did. So that tells me they were designing a car to compete with a 360, which is good, but that's not the ultimate car in Ferrari's portfolio at that time. Whereas McLaren, that F1 was, I think that the headspace and approach will dictate construction engine choices, seating position, mm-hmm. but that is ultimately the foundation for both cars. And therefore, I say... It's not just, we pick some styling things and they're pretty much the same car. I don't think they are. Mark on Facebook is answering, asking a question that feels like uh, fighting words could quickly follow. But I'm going to try to step carefully here. He says, <laughs> why does the automotive press hate the new Nissan Z car? He points out car and driver Ooh. who he said has been ragging on it big time for being an underwhelming disappointment. And then I will call us out because we put it, and I want you to go watch this, Mark, if you haven't seen it. We put it against the 370Z because it shares a chassis, mm-hmm. and we put it against our GR86, and we had a really interesting discussion about it. He said, it seems to him that it is a new set of tires away from a solid bargain at $40,000. What else are you getting at that price? He said, do I want a three-cylinder Corolla? Should I spend more for the four-cylinder Supra? His further commentary is he said, the Camaro SS and the Mustang GT seem to be the only cars that have the same value for dollar for performance, but they're bigger cars. What is going on? He goes so far as to say, is Nissan not encouraging the influencers enough lots of fighting Ooh. words here so here's the thing to know mark wow I, first off i want to step into the influencer uh, acid for a minute <laughs> there's a really weird thing actually going on with car launches and i want to speak to this very clearly because we have heard this more than once and i want you guys to know if you haven't heard 
automotive journalists, of which Paul and I count ourselves among, we go to these press launches and we're very thankful to get invited. Genuinely, we're thankful to get invited. It is a free trip, which is a little ridiculous because in many cases, the automotive journalists, the nicest thing they've ever done was this trip they just did. Okay, It's a very nice trip to a nice place. And of course, there is the, the encouragement that we gave you a really nice trip. It'd be cool if you said something cool about our cars. Now, Paul and I are kind of immune to that. We just, I mean, thank you for the trip. But the truth is we wouldn't be here if you weren't paying because we can't afford to be here otherwise. True, true. Okay? And we're going to say whatever we're going to say about the car. I mean, thank you, but we're going to be honest. Okay? That's our approach. There are waves of people they bring in. They may park at a hotel for four weeks and they bring in video journalists here and print journalists there and there's a new wave happening of influencers, literally people who are brought to the press event to do a 60-second TikTok video. And in some cases, these folks can't or don't drive the car for said video. They're just getting the influence out there. And in some, I cannot believe this is a thing, but it is. In some further cases, they are being paid to show up. We have heard this candidly from automakers who have said that in some cases they have had to actually forget free trip because that happened, but now pay you a fee to show up and do your Instagram reel or your TikTok video. And that's all they did. And they get paid and they left. And all of those are, have you seen this? It's the coolest thing. Nobody ever says, well, this car sucks in their 60 second TikTok video where they got flown out to wherever. That's true. So that does exist. I don't think that's Nissan's problem, though. Back to your question. The problem with the Z car is the prior Z, the 370, and the one before that, the 350, you could get a base model for 30 grand. And the base model, just like the base Miata, the base model had all of the spec on it to be the best possible performance version, just not that nice inside. In the new Z, if you want the limited slip differential, which... If you're buying a performance car, you probably want that. It's only available on the $50,000 one. So the $40,000 one, yes, has the nice engine and still has the chassis from the 370, but you could get a 370 base with the limited slip, and you can't in the new one. So now you're spending fifty grand for the limited slip, which got you a nicer car, and you could put better tires on it, but now you spent fifty. So at forty, you didn't get all of the good sporty parts. And then it isn't a moving of the needle really beyond where the 370 was. Which yeah. puts it kind of in the driving feel of the Mustangs and Camaros. So who are you as a buyer? Because we talked about it on that Z versus 86 piece. If you're a person who is buying a sports car to have a sporty car to do your commute in and your life in, it's a great car. It's a fantastic car. Buy yourself a Z mm-hmm, if you want mm-hmm. one. But if you're a person who what you want is, we were talking Decker Canyon earlier. Yeah. I don't want to take a Z down Decker Canyon. <laughs> I don't want to take a Mustang or Camaro down Decker Canyon. Honestly, yeah. these are these are cars that are going to feel too big for that road. If you're a person who you're tracking or you're going down autocross or you're doing winding roads, the Z's not quite there. And I'm talking the $50,000 limited slip version. Okay? So now the big problem is the 86 at thirty five grand, which is focused. but And the Supra is kind of in the middle. The Supra is more focused than the Z but less small and light and focused than the 86. And so the Z, I think, has, has, has kind of marched into the conversation like, I'm here to compete. And it is a different car than I think it was set up to be. I also, as a quick addendum, I think that the thing Nissan is doing to revive their portfolio that we actually like, the Frontier, 
the Pathfinder, the Rogue. Mm-hmm. They mm-hmm. take what's good and make it better. Take the existing great elements. Yes. And it's like, well, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Just take what's really good, take what customers like, mm-hmm. and make it even better. Yep. And make it ride better. For example, the Frontier. Yep. Well, it's still leaf springs in the back. How it's, do they make it ride so good? It's a chassis-efficient refresh, and they did a phenomenal job on a lot of their cars. However, that kind of thinking doesn't fly with a beloved nameplate like the Z. Mm, that's good. And I think as badly as Nissan wanted to do that, and they did, but that marketing, well, that design approach didn't really work as well because it cribs too much from the 370, mm-hmm. and it's not a different and new enough car. The problem is to make something really a lot better takes a lot of development dollars. Mm-hmm. And maybe Nissan just didn't have that in them. Oh, I think that's fair. I think that's very fair. But that's the only car in their lineup, I suppose, apart from the GTR. That has to be something completely different. But the GTR has been around since 09. It's been around since 09, but it's also a niche model. Yes, big The time. Z car is a volume seller in comparison. It should be, yeah. So you have to do something completely fresh and brand new, chassis, brand new, everything. Mm-hmm. It's not based on anything. It doesn't take from anything yeah, else yeah, of yeah. the prior history. This is the newsy. It's not really that new. It's the same chassis. Mm-hmm. The engine's been tweaked a little bit. Yeah, it's bigger in the styling. and yeah, yeah. But when it comes down to it, the driving similarity is too close mm. from the last generation. That works with Frontiers and Pathfinders and everything sure, else in your sure. portfolio. It just didn't work with Enthusiast here. So... They didn't, nobody gives it a pass mm-hmm. because we wanted it to be this fresh, brand new sports car, the, the comeback. And it wasn't. Mm. You've actually walked us right into Matthew's question on Instagram where he says, will American automakers compete with either the GR86 or sport compacts again? And if not, why not? <laughs> Matthew, here's the thing that's interesting. You'll notice that all the U.S. automakers have decided they're not even sure they want to make cars anymore. <laughs> Forget sports cars. Oh like cars in general. It's just going to be pickup trucks and Ugh. SUVs and CUVs. That's all we make. We're Americans. This is all we're buying. It's yeah. all we're making. You notice that? Ford has quit. Okay? The only, yeah. And I'll give you this. GM is killing the Camaro. They're keeping the, the, the iconic vet, but they're killing the Camaro, at least for the time being. Ford is releasing a new Mustang. But Ford kind of shuffles its way into the next Mustang every time because they know they can't stop. But they look at the balance sheet compared to what happens over in F-150 land and they go, we should make another Mustang, shouldn't we? Because it's beloved and it will sell. But the development level of cost to benefit ratio for something that is a sports car is minuscule compared to your volume-selling pickup truck, which is why the American automakers have left it. And what's interesting is we heard Toyota say this flat out when they were talking about the second year, the refresh, slightly tweaked GR Supra. Oh, yeah. They mentioned to us, somebody asked a question about sales numbers, Mm -hmm. and they essentially said, it's enough. They didn't say, oh, wow, it's great. They didn't say we're disappointed. They said it's enough, which means they tempered. Now, granted, this is part of the reason why it's a co-build with BMW, but they tempered their expectations so far that the few thousand Supras sold first year was enough for them to continue. So I don't think the American automakers are at a place where they, they care about bringing enthusiasts in enough that they're just like, you know, we're going to make it and we're going to set a really low bar. And if it does enough, we're fine with it. This is what killed the Pontiac Solstice. It's Mm -hmm. what killed the Pontiac Fiero. It's because they tried to make a niche sports car with expectations it was going to sell a lot and it just won't. 
And Toyota Marketing was also a little bit ticked off that the Fast and Furious movie made the A80 Supra so popular. And by the time the movie came out, they had stopped making the car. Because nobody cared. Because nobody cared. <laughs> and then they're like, a movie came out? Now you guys care again? Yeah, there was, What's there wrong was with some you people? frustration in one of the press and, launches. Yeah, the, 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 the guy giving the, the briefing was almost like visibly angry to the, to the press. It was very yeah. funny, yeah. Jay Brand Official says, we've seen the Murano Cross Cabriolet evoke convertible show up and very quickly exit stage left. When no one wanted them. Are there any current SUVs that have never been convertible but could be successful? Hmm. Or are we looking at the return of an oldie like the G-Wagon drop top aside from the inaccessible half million dollar special edition from the (laughs) mid-2010s? You're right. But that just means when you think convertible SUV, what's the first thing that pops to mind? What is it? Jeep Wrangler. Oh, sure. Yeah. Which means Ford Bronco, which means Hummer. All okay. of those yeah, are yeah. essentially convertible in a your, your, way. Your beach off-roader SUV. Right. Yeah, sure. You all have to build something that looks like a Wrangler or a mm, Hummer mm. to be able to get the hull pass or, or actually sure, get the structural sure. rigidity mm-hmm. with the roll cage that makes it cool. <laughs> you're right. Yeah, yeah. But also keeps the car together because you're going to want to take it off-road. Mm-hmm. So if you make a convertible SUV, the only way any automaker is going to do it is to make a Jeep copy. That's good. You know what I actually just thought of as we're talking about it? That I would be very curious to see in like hard top convertible form. Hyundai Santa Cruz. That'd be interesting. It'd, it'd be, be like hard. a boat. But it'd be, it'd be interesting. Like this weird pickup truck because you'd lose you'd lose your bed completely with the whole top folded away. It'd have to be T tops. It yeah. couldn't just be Targa because the flex on that thing You're would right. just it would be horrifying. turn into a noodle. Yeah, it'd be very, very interesting. Brandt on Instagram, track daily crush. I really like this one. Saab 92X with a manual. Oh, this hits your... <laughs> Mitsubishi Evo 10 with the dual clutch transmission or the Subaru WRX STI with the auto. Track daily crush. Ooh. This is interesting because this could go a few ways. But this is near and dear to your heart, here, here's, the, here's the way I'm going to do it. I'm going to daily the Saab. Okay. Because I like it and I have dailyed one and they're cool and fun and the, with the manual and it's enough. It's an interesting car as a daily. Unlike the Subaru WRX STI or the Evo 10, both of which take a bit, a bit more sacrifice to daily. Yeah. They're a bit louder and more raw and those kind of things. And honestly, the Evo 10 DCT would be brilliant on track as long as the transmission continued to work. So that, that really expensive fluid. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like gold. So that, so that means by default, the WRX STI gets crushed, not because I don't really like it, but because I really want to track that Evo 10 because they're very fun on track and I want to daily that sob. Matt Gary 82 says this might be something that's a topic Tuesday, but what is our process when choosing a new to us car experience? Mm. It's a family car. You start by narrowing down per fuel economy or trunk space or tech or reliability. And if it's a fun car, you look for a cool design, steering feel, good chassis, immediate throttle response. I hate to say it for us. It's a little bit of a different category. Mm. What will get clicked on? <laughs> There is a factor of that. Everything gets run through the filter of will people care. I hate to say that, but it's true. We've had so many ideas about wouldn't that be cool to drive this? And then we immediately have to ask, will people watch that? Will they care as much as Mm -hmm. we do about that car? Yeah, that's true. Many times the answer is no. Mm -hmm. No, nobody's going to care about that. As cool as that car was, ah, it's just such old news. And that's even cars that are still kind of new. Yeah, we have to be careful because we can't – this is honestly – this is the thing where Paul and I are aware of two minds because we want to do the stuff that gets us excited, 
cars of the past is a mm-hmm. great example. Yes. The, the, your 928 and my 300 ZX and the nostalgia involved and the memories and the adventure and that kind of stuff. We did that and loved it because we wanted to have those cars again. But we knew when we started the series and we knew as we've ended the series, if this were newer cars people were talking about, this would get more views. Yeah. And we just had to go, that's okay. We're going to do it in these cars anyway. So there is that decision. I will also tease something. I haven't revealed this at all, but I'm going to tease it right now. Um, my, my wife and I have been shopping for the new family car, mm-hmm. and there's a video next week. Mm-hmm. So you'll hear a lot about it's what exciting. the process was for that. It's exciting. Well, Matt, to a- answer your question a little bit more, nowhere in your question did you say price. None True. Fair of point. your yeah, points yeah. were about money, mm. and money is important. Yes, it does factor in, but all of these other things you said, if you're eyeballing something and you mm. like it and you think, ah, it's just a bit outside, I bet you you're going to be more prone to find a way to get one mm. rather than, well, let's not spend the extra three to $5,000 and kind of suffer. And I wish I would have bought the thing that I mm. really wanted. Good point. Price did not factor in. Yes, it factors in. Yes, it does. But you're right. For family stuff, it has to meet your needs and you have to love it. Cars are expensive. And just a little bit more, and you then you really love it, and it really <laughs> That's what we want. is a family member. We want you to love it. Yeah. Same with your sports car. I really want the thing. The problem is markup with any of these categories True. of yeah, cars, yeah, yeah, from yeah. Hyundai Palisades to GR Corollas. Mm-hmm. That's the problem, and I... I don't know how to combat that. We keep running up against that. Mm-hmm. We find it now in just reviews. We're acknowledging that, and it's mm-hmm. it's frustrating. But all of your suggestions are excellent, and they vary from person to person. But I find it interesting you didn't mention money. On Twitter, Philip's in a photo. And I just want to acknowledge you, Philip, and just say, I feel your pain. I've talked about this. Philip sent a photo of going through a pharmacy drive through in his, <laughs> his Jetta GLI. So... Not a tiny sports car, a Mm. very normal-sized car for normal-sized people in a normal-sized world. He took a photo out of the window (laughs) to realize that everything he had to interact with at the pharmacy was essentially at his roof height. And he was like, what is going on here? How many SUVs come through here? I feel your pain, buddy. That's every time I go anywhere in a sports car. Travis Bacon bought a G70 for his wife. He says, great car, but the service department has been awful to deal with. I hate hearing that. Also, how does he get people to stop asking, what kind of Chrysler is that? (laughs) (laughs) That is terrible. That's a bummer. You're right. That is terrible. His question is, why Hyundai and Kia, why can't they seem to create a logo that is clear and interesting and unique? Kia looks like KN now. Hyundai has looked like a melted Honda logo from the beginning, and now Genesis is confused for a Chrysler. I love the Kia logo, by the way. I know that the world is Googling KN cars. Yes. And yes. I, I, I hate that for Kia because I think it's, all they have to do is add a little crossbar in the A. I know that kind of undermines the logo, but the logo is really cool. Anyway, side note. Check out the new Nokia logo. If that bugs you, Travis, mm. Nokia, the phone company. <laughs> they still exist. They're doing what Kia has done mm. and left parts of letters out. They did. I'm just looking at it right now. That's that's hard to read. Now that's it's genuinely says hard to read. No Kia. Yeah, it does actually. Yeah, no. they should they should align with Kia and see if they I can solve something here. Yeah, I actually saw a designer take the first part of the new Nokia logo and Kia's actually new logo and put them together. That's very funny. And they kind of look the same as Nokia's new logo. Well, we okay. We what what is it about these trends on designers and brands? Because we went know. through we went through about a decade from like I want to say it was like 2005 to 2015 where we left the vowels out. 
Right. All of the logos had no vowels were right out. Right. All of the new logos yeah. had no vowels, and we're seeing if we can read it without vowels. And now I feel like people have realized that's hard to read, and that's kind of died down. And now what we're doing is we're taking out major parts of letters and then jamming them together and then being confused as people can't read that. Travis, the only answer I can give you is one I heard about a graphic designer, a famous designer, who said, the best logo is one you can draw in the sand with your toe. Hmm. If you can do that and get your logo across, then it's an excellent design. If you can't, well, then you've got a Genesis confused with Chrysler logo, I guess. <laughs> yeah, Chrysler, Bentley, what are you driving there? Does it pass the test? Can you draw it in the sand on the beach with your toe? Guys, thank you for all your questions. We really appreciate it. Write to us, everydaydrivertv at gmail.com if you've got Topic Tuesdays, car conclusions, most of all your car debates. And you said you've got a video coming out. That's I kind do. of a nice tease. I do. It's a good tease. We've got a video coming out that is uh, my wife's new car. So we did actually do some shopping, and we have solved the problem. We have a new family vehicle. There will be a, a comparison video coming up shortly to talk about that. Thanks for all your questions. We're looking forward to next time, as always. Cheers, everyone. <laughs> 